it's Jeff. And it's John. And we are back at Love and um, Other Investments. And Jeff had an idea that maybe today we talk a little bit. Um, we did an episode a little earlier on ADHD and kind of some thoughts on that. And then Jeff was thinking today maybe we could take a whack at trauma, although probably taking a whack is it's probably not the best way to say that. <laughs> <laughs> it's all spontaneous. So, yeah. Right. Yeah. Okay. <clears throat> yeah, I think I think I want to start by saying what trauma is because our current cultural language has included that word in a non-technical way. So like, um, you know, I hit I hit my thumb with a hammer and it's dramatic, mm-hmm. you know, which I, which I get. Sure. But that's little t trauma. Mm-hmm. And when I'm talking about trauma, I'm really talking about big T trauma. That means uh, a situation in which one has witnessed or has experienced their own life being in danger. Typically, we think about these scenarios like someone who's been in a war zone whether they're a soldier or not, mm-hmm. or um, someone who's been assaulted in, in a crime, uh, been in a very serious car accident that's life-threatening, or witnessed something bad happen to someone. Um, so no, I, I don't have a complaint about using little t mm-hmm. trauma in everyday language. I just want to make sure we understand what we're talking about here. Sure. And a lot of these things are like everything else in life. Some people had worse experiences than others. Yeah, I, you know, obviously, if you grew up in a war zone, um, you had a certain kind of experience that I didn't have because mm-hmm. I didn't grow up in a war zone. Right. But in general, um, I, I prefer not to make comparisons of big T trauma. Um, Tell me about that. Because uh, how do you define what's worse? Is you know, and is there any usefulness in doing that? So, uh, what is what is the what is the impact that big T trauma has is versus somebody who didn't grow up with it? Well, developmental trauma, or sometimes called complex trauma, which is when you're exposed to it trauma over and over and over again, especially during childhood, mm-hmm. um, has a pretty pretty huge impact on people. Oftentimes, um, and uh, you know, obviously everyone's situation is different, so I'll, I'm going to speak in generalities, which I don't really like to do, but I'm going to. Um, one of the big impacts is, of course, you, you may or may not know this, but tr- trauma involves having anxiety. And when you grow up in a scenario where you're having a lot of trauma, big T trauma, you're anxious a lot. Mm-hmm. Every day is a day when you wake up and you feel the fear of life. You know, you're anticipating when is the next bad thing going to occur? How is that going to occur? Can mm-hmm. I locate where that will occur? Or do it? Can I have some control or influence over whether it will occur? And, you know, in many respects, especially children, have very little 
control or influence about what happens in their environment. I mean, just think about normal kids. I mean, somebody else is mm-hmm. feeding them, telling telling them when to go to bed and you know when to go to school. And I mean, they have very little control in life, generally speaking. Yep. When there's trauma involved, it's even less. So they have a lot of suffering around being able to manage um, the anxiety, you know, the pain that they feel um, in their environment that they don't have any real control over. You know, one of the big things that's very common for people who have trauma in their history is that they try to do something to protect themselves from it. In fact, lots of people do lots of different things, but we, you know, sort of, the technical language is that we defend ourselves, right? Mm-hmm. We, we have defenses. And one of the most common defenses for people who have trauma is something called dissociation. Dissociation is the capacity to imagine oneself as somewhere else instead of right here feeling the pain, right? And so, you know, this falls on a continuum where on the lowest end, we all have had some dissociative moments because if you've ever driven on long trips somewhere, mm-hmm. you remember leaving, mm-hmm. you remember arriving, but do you remember the path you took? You know, you, you, you were working out the boredom of that, that, the unwanted boredom of that trip by sort of being elsewhere, daydreaming. Zoning, zoning out. Zoning out, that's exactly yeah. right. That's, that's on the very low end of the dissociative continuum. Can I ask, can I interrupt with a question? Because I think it might help our sure. listeners a little bit. Does, does everybody, do most people, do some people, another generalization question, I know that makes your skin crawl. Yeah. Um, does everybody know if they grew up with trauma, Big T? No. It seems like an important point for us to hit that real I, quick. You know, the best way to give an example of this is people who grow up in a home where someone is a chronic substance abuser, whether or not there's trauma involved, I'm just saying Mm -hmm. sometimes what will happen is those kids will go to someone else's house and, and the parents in that house don't say drink or whatever the substance is being used. And they think, well, this is strange. Why aren't, why aren't my friend's parents drunk? Mm -hmm. And, and then it's sort of like scratching their head figuring out, oh, wait a minute. Um, is the environment I'm in normal, normal or not normal? Right. And right. it's the same phenomenon with trauma. Like people who have, like let's say they have chronic child abuse, right? Like the, mm-hmm. one of the parents is just vicious. Um, they may go somewhere else in life and realize other kids are not being beaten mm-hmm. um, and think that that's weird right. or unusual. Everybody gets bullied as a kid. Everybody gets, you see what I'm doing? Yeah, yeah. Well, uh, everybody I, had, had, you know, right, had they, tough moment. Everybody right, got disciplined. Right, right, everybody right. got, I think we find ourselves dismissing, and I can't speak for everybody. Yeah. I'm trying to be a little bit you here. <laughs> okay. Um, I think a lot of times people will try to dismiss stuff in their past that could be big T. Sure, because they don't want it to be big T. They want it to seem normal to them. Mm-hmm. They don't want the pain that comes from it, which is understandable, but also a kind of fooling oneself, right? A kind of like trick. So we said at the beginning of the video that we wanted to take a look at, at uh, trauma yeah, and kind of how does it impact a relationship and, 
and money. How might it show up in our money? Yeah. Imagine being in a relationship with someone who has trauma. Imagine what it's like for the person um, who, who's married to, to the person who has trauma. They might be noticing in their partner that their partner's anxious a lot, that they worry about things, that um, they're anticipating problems and that they imagine everything is a problem or what seems like everything is a problem. Um, when, when something good happens, they sometimes will think, when's the other shoe going to drop? Or they'll think, um, like money, like, oh, we had, let's say we had a big bonus. Mm -hmm. Like one of the partners got a big bonus. They'll think um, it's not enough or um, um, we're, we're, it's going to have to go to something, you know, unexpected and problematic. Mm -hmm. And so we're not going to be able to use it the way we want. Um, so they begin to predict that the environment is painful and difficult and try to work out how to solve those, but they're never really solving them. Right, right. So if you're the partner who's witnessing that, you're kind of scratching your head after a while thinking, wait, well, that, no, wait, we just Why got can't a, a good thing be a good yeah, thing? Yeah, we just got a big bonus, let, you know, let's, um, let's, let's go on vacation or, yeah. you know, let, let's save it for retirement or whatever. So you're talking about a situation where um, when good things happen, the mood doesn't lighten. In fact, it might even go the other way. I would say it's always that's always the case, but it definitely happens. Mm -hmm. And and you can imagine how uncomfortable that is for the person who's who's has a history of trauma. Because you know, I I think of the whole gener there was a generational effect after the Great Depression. Yes, that was a big T. Yeah, that was a national big right. T. That's right. Um, you know, we had soup lines, we had massive unemployment, we had starvation, we had Lots of bad stuff yeah. happened to the country. Yeah. Right. And that took a whole generation of people who didn't want to put their money in banks because they thought they'd lose it all, didn't want to start a business because they figured something terrible was going to happen. Right. Um, well, my stepdad was born at the end of that. And um, if you ever went to his <laughs> house, you would find a pantry full of food, food that would never be eaten. Mm-hmm. Because you got to have a couple, three months worth of food in case something goes wrong. Right. You know, there's, you can't count on the grocery store. Yeah, and we've had a little bit of a, you know, kind of like a secondary wave of that from yeah. the people who came out of 08, 2008, pretty yes. big financial crisis. Right. A lot of people lost jobs. People had homes foreclosed. Um, a lot of our listeners will have grown up in families that struggled during 2008. Yeah, maybe they were in college or maybe they were in high school or junior high during that 2008 period, and they watched their parents move from a position of everything's going to be fine to we don't Not think so it, everything isn't fine, right? And some bad things are happening, and and those children have, um, as I get to deal with some of them, sure, um, there are some medium-sized T's that yes. have come out of that, right? Yeah, and I think, you know, our conversation today is about what, what should we do with that. Right. Like, once, once you sort of recognize that there's trauma in the relationship, of course, first things first, if you have trauma in your history and you're not in therapy, now is the time. Go, go to therapy. Okay. Um, so say why. Why can't it be that I know that some bad stuff happened to me 
and I know that the situation is different yeah. now, and yeah. I got over it. Yeah, and I, I, I don't want to. I don't want to talk about it because it's in the past. It's it's a really actually a really great great question because not everyone who has trauma um, has subsequent problem from it. Mm-hmm. So there will be a group of people who had horrible experiences at some point in their life who who really don't need to go to therapy i'm talking about the people who who are suffering now um because of what happened to them when they were younger it, you know that might be 10 years ago or five years ago or a year ago or it might be 20 years ago i'm not favoring a certain mm-hmm. timeline um so the reason that you know we I'm suggesting that people go to therapy is because it's very, very helpful to be able to talk through that so that you're not having the here and now problems of feeling anxious all the time. And, you know, specifically we're talking about the dollars in a relationship. And if your partner is frustrated with you because you never feel secure Mm -hmm. financially and they're saying, I'm frustrated with you, this is another reason, right, that there's certain aspects of trauma that impact a relationship. Um, and money can definitely be a spot where it can have a big impact, especially around the sense that things are scarce mm-hmm. or that you're, you're never going to be secure. There is no security. Mm-hmm. You know, if you're feeling like that and you've had trauma in your history, it's, it's time to go talk to somebody about it and, you know, let them help you with it. So, what can our listeners be doing now with, um, if, they, if they've sort of identified that perhaps one person in the, in the relationship has some trauma, what can they be doing? I mean, first things first, I think um, it's incredibly important that the partner who does not have trauma, assuming that's the case, is very empathic. It can be puzzling and difficult to understand how your partner thinks and feels. And so it's incredibly important to be curious about it and stop thinking that how you think and feel is how they ought to be thinking and feeling. And we may even, in a lot of these situations, need to move backwards. Because if you've been having arguments over money, let's say for a year or two, and you're listening to this episode and you're saying, man, I keep getting on to my partner because of this, that, and the other. And this episode is making me wonder if maybe there isn't something in their background that is creating this. And all I'm doing is... Telling them to knock it off. Telling them to knock it off and that they need to quit it and it's creating stress for me. And and maybe I'm adding to the pressure. I'm adding to the anxiety. Yes. And now I've got this awareness that, oh, wait a minute, there may be something going on under the surface that that A, I don't know about, and B, they may not really recognize. Well, and if they do recognize it, they may think of it as their solutions. Right? That if, if, you, are, if you come from a place where suffering is persistent mm-hmm. and intense, then what you do to cope with that are the solutions, Right. You so don't spend there, money. You don't right. You know, you don't reward or the yourself reverse. Or, or you do spend money yeah. and you do reward yourself. Or right. it could be there's there's no recipe for how this leaks out. Right. And you and you need 
you know, to your point, you need as a partner, you need to know that there's a possibility that something can be going on in the background that you don't see or understand and that you need to figure out with them and that they may not see or understand it. So you're saying you're proposing this crazy idea that my spouse had a life before I met them? Yes. <laughs> and that maybe some of the things that happened during that period of time are meaningful in how we relate? Correct. <laughs> and you should take them seriously. Yeah. Yeah. So, so back to the point, you know, empathy first. Mm-hmm. Empathy first. To, to your point, try to understand what it is that's going on in their mind, why they think the way they do. And don't imagine that um, they have all the answers. They may not. So be thinking with curiosity about what could be going on. Mm -hmm. And just because you think you've come up with a great idea that sort of gives some kind of answer to why they do what they do, don't imagine that you're right. Mm -hmm. You know, Mm -hmm. good to be creative and curious, but hold your hypotheses lightly. Let them give you the information if they think it's correct or not. You know, we've talked about this before. It's one of the one of the coolest things that I think you can do in a relationship, whether it be on date night or otherwise, is when you have time together, you know, go through old pictures mm-hmm. of, you know, when you're, when each other were, were kids yeah. and tell the stories yeah. around those things yeah. and explore how each of you was raised. I mean, maybe you get to spend time with your in-laws. Uh, maybe you don't. Um, yeah. But, but there's a lot that went into creating this person that you are now paired with. Yeah. And, um, I really love this idea. You know, maybe this could be the third one in our little list here Mm -hmm. is ask questions and ask questions, you know, with an open heart Mm -hmm. and without any agenda except for to hear what's really going on inside them about their memories and their feelings and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. You know, my wife and I have been married more than 30 years and, I still love these questions and I still find out things I didn't know before. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I, I've been, she and I've been married longer than um, I was single. Right. Uh, so there's a ton of material. I'm always learn. amazed when people say, you know, we do, we used to go out on date nights, but we just didn't really have anything to talk about. And I'm like, really? Yeah. There's bazillion. I mean, bazillion. there's a, there's everything that happened before you came together. Um, and there's B, all the things that are happening when you're not together. <laughs> right. <laughs> Currently. Right. right. And then there's C, all the things that you really hope will happen because you're together. Yes. That was a pretty good list that I just came it's up with. It's good. Yeah, good job. Uh, so, you know, be creative about how you ask questions before you go out on a date together. Think about what do I want to talk about? What, yeah. what would be a good place to explore? Yeah. And I think I, I would sort of wrap up this episode by saying maybe the fourth thing is, um, you know, working over time towards the goal you and I have been talking about probably in every episode, which Mm -hmm. is how do you get on the same page? And I mean that broadly, um, but also financially, Mm -hmm. you know, having common uh, values, shared values is a really important part of trying to create something uh, together. And I think there's something really valuable about um, working with your partner, especially on something you have in common and you both wish for in terms of, you know, how I want to build my life together. Absolutely. Um, So 
I, I think this is relevant, totally relevant to folks who have a trauma history because they need something to hope for. Mm-hmm. And that's a hard thing sometimes for people who had no hope, mm-hmm. right, to hope for something. So building something that has embedded in it, you know, implicit hope is really important. Yeah. All right. Well, thanks, Jeff. Sure thing. See you next time. Okay. Okay.